This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe, and brought to you by 105.9 The Region. And just a heads up before we get into the interview, Discovery is now on all sorts of platforms. You can download the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We've got 40 different platforms that this podcast is now available. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. This podcast is designed to speak to as many people as humanly possible and really delve into what mental health is and how it impacts different people in different ways. You know, we, when we started the show, we intended to talk to all walks of life. And yet somehow throughout the process, I didn't ever end up talking to someone from the healthcare world. That is until now, joining me today is Megan Konorowski. Megan, welcome to the show. And uh, before we get rolling, congratulations on the marriage. Thank you. Very much. You're a nurse. Uh, I I made sure to ask that before before starting this conversation because that would have been really awkward. But I wanted to ask you. It's really a, a bit of an icebreaker question. When you're watching like medical TV shows and movies and stuff, does it drive you crazy to see the inaccuracies that they portray? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Nick Nick makes fun of me because I'll be yelling at the TV, being like, "That's not right. That's not how it looks." That doesn't make sense. Why is that there? Oh, yeah. Some shows are a little bit better than others. Uh, but most of the time, there's at least something that does not make sense. Good to know. I I watch things like that, and I can, I can only imagine how it would make people crazy the same way that military people react to action movies and be like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But moving on... Um, as I said, you, you just recently got married and there was a particular instance from your marriage that I, I thought would be a good kind of second question. One of your lovely groomsmen ended up passing out during the ceremony. So first, as a bride, how do you react in that moment? How do you feel when that happens? Well, the first thing was, I, I think I swore because I think that's what made Nick turn around because I could see it because he, he was behind Nick from what I could see. Um my first concern was, was, was he okay? Uh, cause that was quite scary. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel hot. So I was like, Oh, why is it like, what's going on? Is, is he okay? Um, but I know that we had a lot of other healthcare workers in the audience and my, my bridal party. So I felt okay that they would be able to provide him good care. Cause you know, there's lots of people around him who know what they're doing and I, I would trust with my life. So they were able to get to him quickly and make sure he was okay. Um, once we had kind of gotten him. Okay. That's when I started thinking back to being a bride that, okay, now we're what's gonna, what's next. You know, how are we going to deal with this? Is he going to be able to come back for photos? Can we get back on schedule? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the immediate party was definitely, is, is he okay? Cause that was a very uh, stressful moment and being, in my big ball gown that I I couldn't run over and be of any assistance. So that was stressful as well. Okay. And kind of piggybacking off of that, you, you said it there that you had a whole bunch of healthcare workers in the audience and in your bridal party. In that moment, did you find that you kind of switched into work mode and like, oh, you know, I, I've dealt with this before. I, I know how to handle it. Absolutely. That's kind of the first thing where it goes. And I, my first instinct was to run over and help, but knowing that in a big dress, I am not going to be helpful. Um, but knowing that other people there are going to be 
helpful as well. And I trust them to, to do that. Well, for what it's worth, I know watching from, from where I was, it was downright impressive that collectively you could see who the healthcare workers were because not a single person panicked. They just kind of, okay, yeah, this is what we need to do. This is how we handle it. Let's do this. So kudos to everyone involved. That that was a, what could have been a very awful situation turned out pretty okay. Yeah. Glad he's doing well and he was able to come back and join us and be a part of the rest of the festivities. I wanted to avoid getting overly political, especially given the pandemic and everyone's, you know, you, you stand in one position or another. But I did want to ask you as a healthcare worker, you see in the news all these protests of either anti-lockdown or anti-vaccine passport and so on, anti-whatever it might be. How do you feel going into work knowing that there's potentially someone that's blocking ambulances from getting in and all the different blockades that came up? How did, how did you feel about that? Oh, seeing those made me really angry, especially when people were protesting outside the hospitals. And that's not the place to protest anything. To be honest, nothing can be should be protested outside the hospital unless it directly impacts the hospital. The rules to like the laws they passed for the vaccination and all that stuff like that has nothing to do with a hospital. So don't protest outside the hospital because like go to where they actually make those decisions impact those people. Because as a nurse, I don't have an impact on that. My job is to take care of my patients the best possible way. Um, so that made me really, really angry, especially seeing the videos of the ambulances being like slowed down, like those couple of minutes could be the difference between life and death. And especially if they're rushing into the hospital, like getting them to that extra level of care is so important and so crucial that time, especially if it's like a cardiac arrest, a stroke, something really serious, that those couple of minutes really could be the difference between life and death. So that made me really, really angry to see that people were doing that. Yeah, I, I can certainly relate to the anger, obviously for different reasons, because I'm in no way qualified to speak on a healthcare behalf, but I, I can certainly get where that would make you angry. Now, kind of pivoting a little bit here, thinking back to before COVID, then kind of in the heat of it to now where it's kind of winding down, how do you how do you feel your mental health has been impacted through this process? Has it just been kind of status quo? You you're a nurse, you go to work, you do what you need to and then go home. Or do you think you've had a, an impact from COVID? Well, I'm lucky where I'm work that we haven't been impacted too heavily, but I actually had a job opportunity because of COVID. So pre-COVID, I was actually feeling incredibly burnt out. Uh, and I did, it took me a while to actually realize it, how burnt out I was and how work was coming home and home was going to work. And I wasn't happy with my job. Um, and then because of COVID, I actually had uh, another opportunity to gain more skills. Um, so I'm actually where I am because of COVID. Um, so one, one good thing that came out of COVID. Um, but it definitely, we're, like, I'm where I, like I said, where I work, I'm very lucky that we haven't had too many cases. And we've been quite lucky. Um, I can't even imagine what adult care is going through. Um, but I definitely felt a little bit of that. It, it, one of the good things was that I was able to get out of the house when everyone else was stuck at home. I think that in one way helped my mental health that I was able to go to work and see people and talk to people uh, and not just be stuck inside the house, which was really nice. Um, but it's tough when people complain about being at home and I go, well, you know, like 
your risk level is so low. And here I am, I still have to go to work every day, no matter what. I still have to get there. I do my job and come home. Like I, I still have to do that. I don't get the choice to be at home and stay out of that risk. Um, now that a lot of people are vaccinated, it feels a little bit more comfortable. Um, it's a lot. The bigger one is that um, I recognize in the hospital is the restrictions. So, you know, we have to, when you come in, you are showing your badge, getting a mask. Um, yeah, you have to bring a mask at all times. There's visitor restrictions that parents can't be together at the bedside. You can't have other family members there. It was very tough to have restrictions. Siblings can't come in. It was tough to manage those restrictions and see the toll that it takes on families. Well, and I can imagine, and that kind of brings me to one of my other questions I was going to ask a little bit later. Do you find in your position that in those moments when you, you see those restrictions and how they're impacting people, do you have to like compartmentalize that and, and not even pay attention to it? Or do you find that acknowledging those things and how hard it might be kind of drives you to work even harder and even better? We, it's easier to be empathetic to families and what they're, what they're going through and saying, like, it's also like, yeah, it really sucks what you're going through in general, but now to have these restrictions on top of that. And then also to kind of combo with that, like you compartmentalize it. It's like, well, you know, like I, I can't, like, these are the rules set by the hospital, by the government um, combo of the two. Um, so there's nothing I can, nothing I can do to change that, but trying to find ways to, you know, make it the best. Like, can we get an exception, you know, for something special or how can we call families in a lot more of the telehealth aspect of that? We're having families on the phone or video chatting with families uh, to try to make the best out of a mm -hmm. not great situation. I, I think about nursing and the, the importance of the job you do, not even the literal work that you do, but how impactful it can be, how important it is to be doing all the things that you do. Do you like, how do you handle that? Cause I can imagine it'd be very easy to be overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, th this slight mistake could cause a serious problem for this person. Like, how do you handle that? It gets a little bit easier with time. And as you get more skills and more comfortable, it definitely gets a little bit easier. And also um, I'm part of a program as well that talks to new staff about how you know, we are human, we make mistakes and we have a very no blame culture that a mistake is not just your mistake. It's a Swiss cheese model. It's a team effort. And that if one person makes a mistake, it's not their fault. Like, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes and mistakes are easy to make. So I think it's accepting that and oh, like talking to people, it really is a, a team effort and really relying on colleagues to help support through all those really, really tough times. And, you know, if, when you make a mistake that people are supportive and I'm sure you tell someone I made this mistake, they'll be like, I made this even worse mistake. You know, it, it happens. And I think that's just the big thing is focusing on that we're human and we do our absolute best to do this very serious job. You know, we may make a small mistake and bad things can happen. We all work together to, try to minimize that and make sure that our patients get the best possible care that they can get. No, and that makes sense. And kind of piggybacking off of that, do you just, as an aside, do you find that 
the kind of support system that's out there is adequate or do you feel that there there needs to be more emphasis on nurses doctors emts everyone to like do you think that there needs to be more support systems for those people i feel like we can never have enough you know some days it's good some days it's not enough i know that if i'm having like a sick day is not just for your physical health but also for your mental health um and my team is good at saying that and um supporting that so even the other day I had a really heavy week and I said, I can't come in my, it's been a too heavy of a week. I need a break. And they're like, yes, absolutely. We'll make sure you get your break. Reach out. If you need any help, here are the supports you have. Here's EAP, use your benefits. Um, people are very supportive of that. And I know, and I know to use my supports. Sometimes it's hard to find for some people to find their supports and you just got to rejig the system a little bit to find what works for you. Like, is it getting a massage? Is it um, going to therapy? Because therapy is fantastic. Um, so using those resources, uh, it's tough that a lot of people don't have access to resources because they're not free. I'm lucky that I have a pretty solid benefits with my therapist. So that is great. Uh, but I know not everyone has access to that. So Okay. And that actually kind of segues perfectly into my final question here for you. If there's someone out there that's struggling through a mental health crisis, nurse or otherwise, just anyone out there, what would you want them to know right now? Get help. Talk to someone. Uh, the best thing you can do is start talking to someone, even if it's not about all the deep questions that you have, those deep thoughts. Um, sometimes it's hard to reach those places for healing, but start talking to someone. There's a lot of um, emergent crises lines that you can reach out to. Um, I know I've had family friends use them um, and they've been great resources to help through those crises and then find someone long-term to talk to, to build that relationship so you can heal those deeper issues that you know, that we don't always like to think about or talk about, but getting to those deeper spots, but reach out, get help, whoever you can talk to um, and take care of yourself because self-care is so important, whatever it is for you. Uh, each person is different, but do self-care, get help, talk to someone because everyone's deserve deserves a happy long life. Uh, so. Well, I couldn't have said it any better myself, but that's why I bring guests like you on. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. That'll do it for Mental Health Moments, one of the wonderful podcasts right here on Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. If you want to listen to us on the go, you can download any of our podcasts on multiple platforms. You can get it on Apple. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on Google. You can get it really wherever you want. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to New Music on The Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, music director at 105.9 The Region. Whether it's a brand new talent or an established artist, we bring you conversations with performers from York Region and beyond. On a plane that's on a trip across the country where I live I had to go to see the rest towards the coast Put to the test, the other side was good to me Two feet of water's where I'll be 
On the Region podcast, I'm speaking with Toronto-based songwriter and recording artist Caleb Heichel. He leads the folk rock trio The Sun Harmonic. This past summer, the band released their cross-country 11-song album called Coast to Coast. Hi, Caleb. Congratulations on the album. Hi, Christina. Thank you very much. Before we chat about the album's tracks, I wanted to ask you about the album cover. Is it an old family photo? It is. I was flipping through a stack of four by six photos that had been sitting in my Oma's attic for a very long time and my sister passed it on to me and the second that I saw that picture I said that's an album cover um I just thought okay coast to coast and there's you know we're we're on the water we're in Muskoka in the 1990s <laughs> it's actually me and my sister on the front I fell in love with it the second that I saw it and if listeners don't have their copy already, they could check out the album cover on your Instagram, which is at the Sun Harmonic, and um, can also find the original handwritten lyrics of the tracks from Coast to Coast. I read the album was six years in the making. Is the finished mm-hmm. album different from what you envisioned it to be when you first started out? Absolutely. Uh, other than the fact that I did plan to record it across the country, that's the only part of it that turned out as planned. <laughs> The first three songs are recorded in 2015. I began recording it on Vancouver Island, and I recorded three songs. And then when I came home, I was planning a couple months later to go out east, to go to Halifax and back and record the rest of the album. In hindsight, I'm I'm glad I didn't, because the next few years of my life definitely were uh, influential and fused into the making of the record. And some of the songs actually were written a few years later. So there were a few years there where um, I was really just trying to kind of wrestle with how I would actually get out east and put a lot of things aside and a lot of problems and troubles. And then in 2018, I finally did. And I went out to um, Ottawa first and then Montreal and then out to Halifax. And I went with my partner, Jess, and we took the train and I brought my guitar and we went all the way out and um, I brought some new songs, some old songs, and was able to actually get to that kind of finish line where I had actually gone from coast to coast and and achieved that dream. Um, and then it's still even past that. It took two years for me to, to get to the point where I had a finished record. Uh, I mean, the pandemic <laughs> happened for yeah. everybody and, and for me. And so the pandemic turned into a very good reason for me to finish the record um, and have the time to do it and the reason to do it because I wasn't on the road anymore. I wasn't playing any shows and so I really just went into the studio and said, this is the time for me to finish this album. I'm glad I did. And this is the Sun Harmonic's fifth studio album with a new band lineup. How was it incorporating new members in a project that was six years in the works? It is, I would say, almost mostly kind of a, a solo album. But what I really wanted to make sure that I did was include the new band members. I've been playing with Dave for a while. We were going out and playing shows all over Ontario together, kind of as a white stripes type duo. Um, and then we brought Ian on. Um, he's an old childhood friend of mine. And so he came in playing the bass. And our very first studio effort was uh, It's All Okay, Thanks to You, an EP that we put out in 2020, a month into the pandemic. And so that was our first like true band recording, was that EP. That's the whole band playing all five songs. 
so then when coast to coast came around, what I then wanted to make sure that I did was include a band song, like a true, the sun harmonic, the band recording. So, uh, we turned flying over Saskatchewan into one of the songs that we were playing on stage. And so that's the fourth track, which was the only song that was recorded at home in Toronto. And so that is Ian playing the bass and Dave playing the drums. And I was able to, uh, to turn that song into what I wanted it to be, which was our folk rock trio. Um, and it turned out to be definitely one of the fan favorites off the record. I'm excited to share a few more songs from Coast to Coast. Along with the track numbers, the album tells you where each song was recorded, which I think is kind of cool because it lets listeners in on, um, you know, a little bit more information about the song and um, and where it was recorded. Let's start with the opening track, Under the Weather. It was recorded in Vancouver Island. And when I fall back in to winter, I am blue, so then I won't. What can you tell us about that song? It's one of these songs that I had to take on the road and sing all the way across the country uh, before I chose to record it. Then I decided that it would be the opener of the record. Uh, Really, just when I went out to Vancouver, I thought it had a good tempo, it had a good vibe, that it could be the opening track. Uh, And I changed the name to Under the Weather um, from a couple different names that I had before. That track, along with the next two songs, were recorded at Dove Creek in Vancouver. And I recorded the acoustic guitar and then another acoustic guitar and the vocals live at that studio. And um, lo and behold, that song was the very first song I recorded and also turned out to be the last song that I finished recording. I recorded the drums and the piano all within the last couple weeks of finishing coast to coast which was the beginning of january 2021 of this year um kind of came full circle really the final track of the album is the grand old lady sails away which was performed and recorded live on the stage of massey hall within hours of it closing for renovations in 2018 we knew it all How did that performance come about? It wasn't really meant to happen. Um, oh, really? I, I, I was working as an usher at Massey for two years. That night was the staff party right before the hall closed. Um, two nights before that was the very last public concert, which was scored Lightfoot three nights in a row. And two days later, July 3rd, we had a staff party. Approaching that night, I had written this song called The Grand Old Lady Sails Away. Um, I really just wanted to write a song about the hall closing. It really was kind of a present back to the hall and a present to my friends and second family. And so by the very end of the night, uh, everyone had been jamming out. There was like 50, 60 people on stage. It was incredible. And just had this huge jam, almost to no one. Like there was barely anyone in the audience. Um, except for Dean Cameron, who who really deserves the credit for putting that show on. And some people who had heard me play the song the night before at this barbecue, they were coming up and saying, sing your song, sing your Massey song. 
And so I grabbed the lyrics and then played it in just that one take as it happens candidly on the record. And uh, it turned out to be the last song performed on that stage right after I finished the lights went up and the IATSE members came on stage and started to strike the stage and take everything down. I believe it was a day or two later that they started tearing the stage apart and ripping the seats out of the venue. And uh, it just went, it, the hall went dark. It's really just a very quiet, private finale to the hall in the way that it was in that beautiful wooden stage that uh, is, isn't there anymore. <laughs> it's pretty, it's surreal. It's the whole experience was was unbelievable. Did you record it on your phone? Like, how did you get the audio for it? Yeah, I um, I put a microphone, a Zoom microphone, just a stereo two-track recorder on the stage in front of my foot. It's a testament to how incredible that venue is. The fact that I just had a microphone sitting on the stage at my feet. Uh, unfortunately, you can hear my foot tap very loudly at some point in the song, and that's why. All the reverb is natural, dynamics of the guitar and the vocal, everything is just as it was in that moment. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was very special. I, I kind of like that there's that authenticity of, you know, hearing those little things of the environment as well, because it kind of transports the listeners and um, that live environment uh, kind of brings the, uh, the listener with you. That's what I was trying to do with, with every song on this album. And I mean, the grand old lady, would would have never been a song on the album if it hadn't just been a recording that I made during the making of this album. But what I was trying to do was go to these cities and travel there and all the things, all the good and bad things that happen when you travel to a city, when you're rushing to try and get to a studio and all those things. And I, I went to every single one of these sessions with excitement and stress and showed up into the studio and only had two or three hours to record one or two or three songs. And I brought my good, guitar parts that I had written and I made sure to sing the vocals in every single city so that like you said like I could someone could travel with me to each city um that there would be something of each of those cities that was kind of infused into the song and the way that I performed it and um it it certainly came through um every time I listened to it I kind of think oh yeah that's where I was and city I was in and this is all the technical difficulties that happened along the way and all of those things right how can uh, listeners get their copy? So I sell them uh, directly through Bandcamp, sunharmonic.bandcamp.com. If you place an order there, I open that email and I pack up the record and I sign the plastic sleeve on the outside and say thank you so much. And, and I walk down to the post office. You can get a copy directly from my hands and I'll mail it straight to you. And that's CD and vinyl. And then, of course, you can go to any streaming service and, um, you know, it doesn't support the same for sure. Um, it, uh, it definitely helps in spreading the music and, and increasing the numbers because everything on Spotify is a, a numbers game. So um, I, I appreciate it all the same. But, um, but yeah, the, the vinyl is, is where it's at. That's how I support other bands and musicians so i want to try and put that out there as well into the world and, and offer that to people and so far people are really enjoying it that way so do you have plans to tour the album i'm not sure um how touring is now for artists and um whether it's in the city or maybe outside of ontario do you have anything planned uh, in regards to um playing any shows you know what i unfortunately uh i i am sad to say that i don't um 
um, I've actually kind of been in a mode where I'm, I'm already really spinning the wheels and getting things moving with more recordings. Um, so even right now, I'm actually just sitting in my car with three guitars and a guitar amp uh, <laughs> surrounding me. I just got back from a demo session of the, all the songs that we're going to record with the band in December. And I realized, okay, if I can't play any shows, then I am just going to make records. I'm going to go and grab a handful of songs from here uh, that I can record solo. And then I'm going to grab a handful of songs from here that I can record with my band. And I'll just start making two different albums kind of around the same time at the end of this year. And then over the winter, and if there's lockdowns or just being kind of personally locking yourself in, in the winter, like we all do, uh, especially in Canada, then I'll just have more music to share as of next year. And maybe I go out and tour those records, but, um, um, I'm very excited about it and excited to share a lot of these songs. I think they'll surprise a lot of people who are familiar with some of my music so far. So, And if listeners want to connect with you online, what's the best way they could do that? I was mentioning um, your Instagram is at The Sun Harmonic. Mm-hmm. Um, are you on Twitter as well or Facebook? Yeah, Instagram is really where I try and share Um you know, daily stories um, or anything that's much more kind of personal to share through that. Um, I'll be sifting through the pictures that I got from the studio of the demo session I did today. I'll post some of those and it goes directly to me. So you'll get right in contact with you, Caleb, then. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for taking the time and joining me on New Music on the Region podcast. Thank you so much. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.